So today we launch our sermon series on Psalms. So we're gonna go through 20 selected Psalms. We're starting with Psalm one, so get your Bibles out. Make sure that you have them handy. So paper copies, preferable. If you have electronic, that's fine. The semester's young. You've got paper copies, look at this. Nicely done, hold them up. If you've got them, hold them up. I love it. All right, so you got your word. When we walk through this, we are gonna walk through verse by verse, word by word, and so make sure you bring them, make sure you get them out, make sure you've got pens that you wanna write in your Bibles in. It's okay to write in your Bible, it's God's word, we respect it, but you can write in it. You dig deep in it. And so write in your Bible and then bring your notebook. So I want you to have a journal, I want you to have a notebook, I want you to have something so you can write down what the text is, who the speaker is each day, main idea, what the Lord's saying to me through this text, and you will notice themes in life of where the Lord's trying to lead you. So make sure you do that. It'll help you pay attention. It'll help you lock in. So let's make sure that we get those journals in. Let's make sure that we have our Bibles here. And so let me provide an introduction to you briefly of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are tied together. We can't cover them both. I don't have time. So we're splitting them up. We'll talk about Psalm 2 next time. I'll talk about some of the correlations between the two. But the Psalms, when we approach it, it's a unique book in Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. Don't have that introduction at the very top to tell you who wrote it or why. It's kind of an introduction to the whole thing. And it's, it's intentionally written. I mean, Psalm 1 begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 1 verse 6 begins with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. How many of you like to write poetry out there? There's three of us. Okay. It's all right. We'll pray for the rest of you. I'll tell you the story about the one poem I've written another time. I don't have time today. You can ask me about it sometime and I'll tell you about it. But yeah, I shouldn't even mention that, should I, Joy? Okay, I did it when I was proposing to my wife. I did, I wrote her a point. Yeah. There's much more to the story. I'm moving on. We're getting to Psalms, right? We're locking in here. This was intentional. They wrote, these are the things that they would sing. And so there's real intentionality here to say, what do I need to be reminded of? So student, parent watching online, staff, faculty, all of us, what do we need to be reminded of? They're gonna sing the Psalms. The Psalms are intentionally worded, every word finely crafted to help us understand the things that we need to understand You've got words like blessed there in verse one that you, you don't even see the connection to it, but when you look over in chapter two, verse 12, it, it has blessed in there again, tying these two together. You've got things like blessed and perish in verse one and verse six. And so we're gonna walk through some of this, but this is not an exegetical paper. This is a message for life change. And so we want to engage the text and allow the spirit to speak to us in a way that will change our lives. Where do you find truth? Whatever you think truth is, whatever you believe is gonna change the way you live your life. So where do you find truth? Do you find truth in other people? Is it the popular opinion poll? Let's put a poll out there because this is what politicians do. Let's find out what people believe and then if we wanna be elected, we need to be in the majority of what they believe and so we would need to know exactly what the mass amounts of Americans believe and so is truth popular opinion? 
Is truth defined by the community in which you live so that you could have different truths between one community and another community? Or as our culture really pushes on us right now, is truth defined by how I feel? I feel internally like this, and even though that may contradict the science, that may contradict the biology, that may contradict the Bible, because I feel like this, then I need to embrace this because this is my truth. Well, if I have my truth and you have your truth and everybody else has their truth, then we really have no truth. So if I wake up one day and feel a certain way, does that mean I'm embracing that as true Or am I gonna look at what the word says when it says my heart is deceitfully wicked, who can know it? And then I'm gonna say, wait a second, time out. Truth is not found inside me. Truth is found outside of me. Truth is found in my creator who has given me his word so that I would know what he wants me to do and how he wants me to live. And so truth is then external to how I feel. Truth is then external to perhaps what the community around me is saying. Truth is then external to popular opinion. You've got to choose. Am I going to believe what other people say more than I believe what God's word says? Or am I going to believe what God's word says over what everybody else will say? Where do you find truth? That's really the question. And the question is explained right here in Psalm 1. So we have this this thing we do at Cedarville. We stand in honor of the reading of God's word. So if you are able... You've got your word. Let's stand up. We're going to read Psalm 1 together. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it, on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree. It's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. The wicked, the wicked are not so. But they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Dear Lord, would you today allow your spirit to speak to us? Would you allow truths to be driven home in our lives? Would you allow us to delight in your word for your glory? In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and you may be seated. All right, you got your journals out, main idea. Main idea of our text. What is this text driving for? What do I want you to walk away with? Delight in God's word. What is the text telling us to do? It is telling us and encouraging us with a negative example and positive examples to delight in God's word. It wants you to drill deep into that. So what's the text gonna tell us about delighting in God's word? Those who delight in God's word, they do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. We'll drill deeper there. They do not stand in the way of sinners. They do not sit in the seat of scoffers. They avoid becoming chaff, which is basically worthless, and they avoid perishing with the wicked. Those who delight in the word of the the Lord, they're like the fruitful tree that does not wither. They prosper in all they do. They will stand in the day of judgment. They will stand in the congregation of the righteous and the Lord knows these people. He knows their way. 
So your main idea, delight in God's word. We've got two points. This is gonna be our outline, so this is what you're gonna be looking for as you write down your two main points. The first point is the way of the righteous will prosper. The righteous will prosper. I've also, I, I, I struggled with this because this could also be titled the way of the word. There's two ways here at the end of this. If you're gonna delight in the word, the way of the word is the way of righteousness and the righteous will prosper. But the way of the wicked, well, the wicked will perish. So number one, the righteous will prosper. Number two, the wicked will perish. The righteousness is the way of the word. The wickedness is the way of the world. Now, when I say world, I mean that as part of that evil trinity. That evil trinity is the devil, our sinful flesh, and the world. Those are the things that pull and tempt us to go away from what God's word says. And so it is a separate path. I don't mean the world in the sense of all people, Because God so loved the world, well, that's used in a different context than the world as the sinful forces that we encounter that pull against us and pull away from us. So the way of the sinful forces will perish. It's the way of the world. So here we look first at point number one, the righteous will prosper. What does it say? It says blessed, blessed, happy, fulfilled, satisfied, all the things we long for but don't know how to get, the things we want, the things we desire, the utter fulfillment, the happiness. But it's more than just happy because we're flippant when we use the word happy. We go to McDonald's and buy a happy meal. Well, that's not what it's talking about. And so we use the word blessed. Blessed is the man, the man singular, which gives us a clue here that really what's being laid out is there's only one person who has fulfilled this text perfectly, and that person is Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate example. And so in the word, we learn about the true word, which is Jesus Christ, and that's what we wanna follow. We wanna delight in the law of the Lord. We wanna delight in the word of God. We wanna delight in the Savior, which is Jesus. And so here, the man is singular. But there are two ways we're being encouraged to follow as well. So we're introduced to this, to Jesus, And it's kind of saying to us, the man that's coming, the one who is to be, that singular man, that's what the Psalms are about. So we're gonna look and see glimpses of the gospel all throughout the Psalms as we look at where we're headed and where we're going. That blessed man, we see the negative portion first. Walks, and notice how the repetition here, and notice how it gets deeper. Walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, fortunately for us, we have an expert in Psalms right here on our campus, and this is what he had to say about it. Dr. Dan Estes, this is a quote from his book. The quote says, the least sinful way is dealt with first, namely the way of walking in the counsel of the wicked, which means letting oneself be guided by the advice of evildoers. Well, there's a caution for us. So if I'm in the word, I'm not supposed to allow myself to be guided by the advice of evildoers. Well, there goes social media. Then there is the standing in the way of sinners, which means conforming to the example of sinners. I wanna be accepted, so I have to conform my behavior to the group that I'm around, so then I'm no longer standing out as a light on a hill or as the salt of the earth, but I fit in and conform to others. Well, that's not the way of the word, And finally, the worst sin is that of taking a seat in the meeting of the scoffers and actively participating in their mocking of these things, of the things which are sacred. Here's the deal. Here's my concern for you. I've been at this place now for going on 10 years. I'm in year 10. 
if you don't get in the word and stay in the word, then when you graduate from this place and you're no longer in the greenhouse of Cedarville and you're out in the world, you begin to slowly start conforming to what people are telling you. You begin to listen to the counsel of the wicked. You begin then to stand and start conforming to what's going on. And next thing you know, you're sitting with them and and I'm seeing you say things and I'm like, wait a second, that's not right. You're not, you're not in the word. So if you're sitting beside somebody you like, I want you to turn and look at them and say, read your Bible. All right, that, that wasn't forceful enough. That's a little better. All right, I like it, all right. All right, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. But this time, you're concerned for their soul because you don't want them to be shipwrecked and waste their life. And if they're not walking with Christ, you don't want them to spend eternity in hell and this is what hangs in the balance. We don't play games here in chapel. This is eternity that we're talking about. And so you look at your neighbor and you say, get in the word. Thank you. Y'all are being too nice. So here's the deal. This is what I want you to do. When you see that friend that graduated with you three years, four years from now, and you start seeing stuff that makes no sense, and you're like, come on, what are you doing here? You pick up the phone and you say, how's your quiet time? (laughs) Read your Bible. Get in the Word. If you delight in God's Word... You will always be against the world. It's just the way it's always been. It's the way it will be, and that's okay. But you say, okay, wait a second. What if I have lost friends? I need to engage my lost friends, right? Yeah, absolutely. I want you engaging people with the gospel. But when you engage those lost friends, you don't walk in their counsel. You don't stand and conform to their way. You don't sit and scoff with them. You read your Bible. You stay in the word so that you are grounded in the word, so that you are grabbing them and pulling them into the word, and you are not being pulled into what they're doing. And that's where you have to be careful. All right, let's keep going. The positive example. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, the Old Testament, the Torah, the first five books, expanded for us to mean the entire Bible because we have the entire Bible and this is where our delight is to be. And on this law, on this word, he meditates day and night. So let's start first with delight. When we tell you no Bible, no breakfast, read your Bible, it doesn't mean that you're checking a legalistic box and if you read your Bible, then you're gonna be okay. What we're telling you is delight in the law of the Lord, delight in the word of God so much that it nourishes your soul so that you love to read the Bible because it helps you, it gets you through your day, it changes your perspective so you're not conformed to this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what we're after when we say read the Bible, not legalism, but a relationship with the God of the word. So do you delight in the word? Thank you, Emily. I believe she does too. Do you delight in the word? All right, I don't know that this is getting through. How many of you like coffee? Oh, okay, here's the better question. Here's the better question. How many of you liked coffee the first time you tasted it? 
how many of you disliked coffee the first time you tasted it? And then you put cream and caramel and whipped cream and chocolate and you turned it into a dessert drink and then you decided coffee is awesome. <laughs> so I didn't like coffee the first time I tried it, but I travel a lot and the, the best way to get caffeine is coffee because they have coffee in every country across the world. It's everywhere. And so I decided I'm gonna learn to drink coffee and I'm gonna learn to drink it black. I didn't like it. It didn't taste good. I don't know why people drink it. And then all of a sudden I began to like it. You like black coffee too, don't you? All right. With the hardcore coffee drinkers, that's all I'm saying. Black coffee. I had to develop a taste for it. Now, every morning when I get up, I better have it. Because if I don't get the bean in the book, you don't want to be around. In the Word, with the caffeine, if I don't get both of those things, something bad's going to happen in that day. So here's what I'm telling you. Student, I care about you. I care about you not only while you're at Cedarville, I care about you for your 10,000 days after you're through with your 1,000 days. Get in the Word. Read your Bible. Develop that habit. Delight in the law of the Lord. It says delight in the law of the Lord. It also says meditate on God's law. Meditate on the law day and night. This reminds me of one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, Joshua 1, 8, and 9. You look at Joshua 1, 8, and 9, and it says this. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Hold on, look right down there in Psalms. Look at what it says there in verse three. In all that he does, he prospers. There's some repetition here. They understand what's said in the book of Joshua. There's repetition going on here. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes we think about meditating on God's word day and night, and we think meditation is a passive deal. We are not talking about Eastern mysticism. We are not talking about emptying your mind. We are talking about meditating on the word of God, and meditation leads to action. Joshua was not a passive person. Joshua was somebody that took action action upon what God's word says. So when I'm encouraging you, meditate on the word of God. You meditate so that your way, the way you live your life, your walk through life, all of your actions are going to be so rooted in the scripture that you're going to bleed Bible. You're going to speak Bible. You're going to think Bible. Meditation is not passive. It is active and it has to be strategic and intentional. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking about scripture. You go to bed at night, you're thinking about scripture. You wake up in the morning, you're talking to God because he's your best friend. You go to bed at night, you're praying to God because there are things happening with those you love that you want him to intervene and intercede in. And so that's the relationship we're digging deep into. Now, if that's not your relationship, that's where we want you to go. I want you to get to the point where when you wake up first thing in the morning, you've got Christian songs rumbling around in your head. You've got verses of scripture. You're thanking God that his mercies are new every morning. You know that the Lord is good. You go to bed at night, you're not, you're not thinking about a video game. You're not thinking about a TV show. You're like, God, thank you for a good day. Oh Lord, it's, I'm so blessed to be able to be in this place and to be able to do these things. Lord, you are so good and I'm so unworthy. That's where you have to get to. That's where we need to be in our lives. 
Love the word of God. We get an illustration here in verse three. Look at what it says. He's like a tree planted. You don't plant trees by accident. It's not easy. You dig up the dirt, you put a tree in the ground. You put that tree in the ground, you do it intentionally and strategically. So where's this tree planted? By streams of water. Well, that's a good place to plant a tree. The tree can't water itself, so it's planted by a stream of water, just like the Christian can't nourish himself or herself. And so that Christian should be planted by the word of God, living life as though you're directly by that stream. The word is always right there with you. This is what we do. And then that tree yields its fruit. That tree produces something that benefits others. We love God because we delight in his word and we meditate on scripture day and night. We love others because we're producing fruit that will impact the lives of others. And these are two of our core values here. It produces fruit in its season. Now, there are seasons of life where you focus on different things. There are seasons of life where we're in a growth season. There are seasons where we're in a mourning season where it's hard. There are seasons where we're learning things. There are seasons where we are producing fruit and those are joyous mountaintop seasons. And there are seasons where we're in the valley and it's hard, but the Lord is still there with us. In your season, Maybe you're not in the season of producing fruit right now, but don't think, I'm in Cedarville for four years. I'm in a learning season for four years. Wait a second, time out. You can still produce fruit while you're here. Ministry on campus, ministry in the local churches, plugged in. I know all of you joined a local church this weekend, so all of our freshmen are now members, right? No, I know you didn't. Join a local church. Ministry, fruitfulness, get plugged in. Be that tree. It says its leaf does not wither. Now this makes no sense. Because if you are a fruit-bearing tree, then typically you are a tree that has leaves that wither. You're not an evergreen tree because an evergreen tree doesn't particularly produce fruit. So this tree is the perfect tree. This is a tree that is producing fruit and it's not withering. So you don't have to rake the leaves afterwards. This tree's got it all together because this tree is the ultimate tree. This is the tree that we should seek to be like. This tree is representing a future coming savior who is the perfect man who kept all of these things well and that's what we're gonna see through the Psalms. This man and all he does, he prospers. Point number two, the wicked will perish. The wicked will perish. Look at what it says in verse four. The wicked are not so. What are the wicked like? The wicked are like chaff. What is chaff? You've read your Bibles, you know this. You take the wheat and you take the chaff. The wheat and the chaff are together for a long season, but ultimately there's a separation. The chaff, it's so close to being fruitful. It's so close to being something else. It's, it's right there with it, but then when it comes time for the judgment, when it comes time for the harvest, the wheat is separated from the chaff and they throw it up in the air and the wind blows the chaff away and the chaff is worthless. The chaff just tumbles on. The chaff is put in a pile and burned. The chaff is the wicked. So I wanna be like the world. No, you don't. You don't want to be like the chaff that the wind drives away. So therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Stand. I've heard that word before in this, this passage. Stand. Where did I hear stand before? That's right. It's the blessed man who will not stand in the way of sinners. 
It's the wicked person who will not stand in the day of judgment. So you can either stand with sinners or you can stand in the judgment. You can't do both. It's hard. I want to stand in the way of my friends who aren't saved. Do you want to stand and defend yourself and be righteous in the day of judgment? Well, that's the person who's pled to the mercy of the cross by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and been saved. If you're going to be the person that stands in the day of judgment, you can't be the person that stands in the way of sinners. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Here's verse six. There's two ways. For the Lord knows, the Lord is introduced now. Here at the very end, in comes the Lord. The Lord is now an actor and the Lord knows. The word knows, that word knows is used throughout scripture in various connotations. It's used where it talks about the husband and wife relationship that you know one another. This is an intimate knowledge of knowing someone. It's also used when you think about the fact that Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. The point to us is that we should be known by the Lord. The person who is blessed, the person who delights in the law of the Lord, the person who meditates on it day and night, that person, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But, contrast, the way of the wicked will perish. So there's two ways right here. You have one way that is the way of the righteous. It leads for you to prosper. You have one way that is the way of the wicked. It leads for you to perish. Students, choose your way. You can't have it both ways. But you don't understand. I'm designed, I, I'm crafted to want to please people. Am I seeking to please men or Christ? For if I'm still seeking to please men, I can't please Christ. But you don't understand how hard this is. Yeah, we do. You get two ways. Are you gonna choose the way of the righteous or are you gonna choose the way of the wicked? Now, I don't normally recommend the message. Like when I want you reading the word, I typically want you reading the ESV. That's, that's what I like to read. You, you can read New American Standard, you can read the NIV, you can read other trans, translations, but I, I like to read the ESV. So that's, that's where I am in my quiet time, that's where I am in my scripture memorization. Now I'll say to you, practical point, pick your, pick your translation, pick wisely. But pick your translation, start memorizing scripture in that translation and use that translation for the rest of your life. And so that way, once you get them memorized and you switch translations and then it says something different, it kind of mixes you up in your brain. So if you're gonna meditate on it day and night, pick your translation and then do that. Now you have translations which try to take it and bring it forward and then you have different... um, different groups of texts that just interpret it. They just, they just bring something out that's a dynamic equivalent. It's just similar to what the text says, but it's not exactly what the text says. They're helpful sometimes, but that's not where I want you reading in your quiet time. But I've got one I think is helpful. The message says this in a unique way. And so the message says it this way. I've got it for you here on the screens. The message says, how well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon You don't slink along dead end road. You don't go to smart mouth college. No, 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 we don't do that here at Cedarville. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on it, which 
Maybe slightly disgusting to think about, but you chew on the scripture day and night. You're a tree planted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month and never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. You're not at all like the wicked who are mere wind-blown dust without defense in court, unfit company for innocent people. God charts the road you take. The road they take is skid row. Don't use the message for your daily quiet time. <laughs> Don't send me an email about how I shouldn't read that in chapel. Does it help you get the point across? Student, I want you in the word. So here's your application. Your application from this, which way will I choose? You can write it down. Which way will I choose? Which way will I choose? Am I gonna choose the way of the word or the way of the world? Am I gonna choose the way of sinners? Do I wanna stand in their presence or do I wanna stand in the day of judgment? Am I gonna choose to prosper or to perish? Choose wisely. You say, wait a second, can I be at Cedarville and choose the way of the world? Yeah, it happens. You just kind of skip on by. You don't get in the word. You don't take advantage of the, listen, we can provide the water. You can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. We've got the Bible miner. We've got chapel. You don't, if you're not engaged, if you're not plugged in, if you're in the greenhouse, but you're not seeking to put the roots deep, then yes, you can. And so my encouragement to you is choose wisely. Take advantage of everything that's offered to you. Grow in your love and devotion to Christ. Is God good? Okay, time out. If God is good and God has told us to delight in the law of the Lord, to avoid all these other things, if the devil's the one who's deceiving us, if the world seeks to destroy us, if the Lord is good and wants us to prosper, which way should we choose? The Lord is good. So remember that next time temptation flows and you're wanting to do something that the word says you can't do and you think, oh, I just wanna do it. I just wanna give into it because my flesh or temptation is pulling me to give into it. And you're really asking the question, is God's way best? Is the Lord really good? Or is he trying to keep me from the thing that will make me happy? This is what will make you happy. Love the Lord and his word. Point number three, have application, delight in and meditate on God's word. No Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. So here's the deal. I thought about asking you, I have no clue how many of you have never had a Bible reading plan. I'm not gonna ask you. I'm honestly afraid it's probably too many of you where you've never had a consistent Bible reading plan where you've read through the scripture. And so no Bible, no breakfast. You wake up in the morning, you get in the word. So I've got three ways that I'm gonna encourage you to do this. Now listen to me carefully here. If you are in the word every day and you have an elaborate reading plan, just add this on top of it. I just seriously, this, if you are an exercise sports science major and you're trying to tell somebody to exercise, this is not lifting weights. This is get out of your chair and walk around your office one time and then sit back down. Like this is the basic bottom level reading plan that I could come up with. This is, I don't, even know how to, I don't even know how low this bar is. You're competing in the high jump and the bar's lower than the mat. I mean, this is, 
can I get across to you that if you don't do this, if you don't do this, I'm not sure you're saved. Now, it's not works-based salvation. I'm not going there. I'm just saying this is that low, all right? So what we have for you that some of you may have already grabbed, we have it outside, is a bookmark that will take you through the Psalms beginning on September the 1st, that's like Thursday, and you will finish it in April. So you get this bookmark. You can even download it online. We have a, we have a slide with a picture of it that has the website. So you can cedarville.edu backslash read Psalms. You can download it online. You can have this bookmark. This bookmark, it will take, it's five days a week. It's five days a week so that if you mess up, you've got Saturday and Sunday to catch up. It's just five days a week, y'all. I want you reading your Bible seven days a week, eight days a week if there's such a thing, but five days a week so you can catch up. It also is only through the book of Psalms by April 30th. That means you're reading like 16 verses a day. That means it takes less than five minutes. In less than five minutes, you read through this, you're gonna be all the way through Psalm and you'll be ending the same day I'm preaching on Psalm 145, you'll be reading Psalm 145 that day. So this is bottom line, low bar stuff here, all right? So that's one thing. Now I've got another slide for you. I don't care who's playing you read. I just want you reading. If you've got the YouVersion app on your phone, if you don't, you can get it. The YouVersion will read it to you. You don't even have to read it yourself. Put your earbuds in as you're walking across campus and hit play, it'll read it to you. They have other plans there. They have more robust plans. If you're like, man, it's too weak for me. I want some squats and some bench press. And great, go for it. You get in the word. I, perfectly fine by me. And then navlink.org has a New Testament five by five by plan, which is another minimal plan, but it'll give you five ways to dig deeper. Just get a plan. So how do we talk about a message that tells us to delight in the law of the Lord? I think our application from that is read your Bible. Get a plan. Be in the word every single day. Through the word, the written word, we encounter the living word. The word who was in the beginning, the word who was with God, the word who was God, the word who came and dwelt among us, the word who went to a cross and died for us. How do we behold him? We behold him in his word. How are our lives changed? They are changed in his word. So that's it. Get in the word. Read your Bible. That's it. That's what we want. You know what you'll learn if you do? You'll learn that you are loved. Dear Lord, you are a good God. We love you. And we know that you love us. So Lord, help us to develop good habits, gospel habits, habits of grace that will help us to mature in our relationship with you, that will help us to be trees planted with deep roots besides streams of living water. Help us to delight in your word, to meditate on it day and night. Lord, I pray this for my students. I pray this for myself. I pray this for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. You are loved.